0: Father, we look to you now. We thank you, Lord, for your presence here among us. Jesus, you promised us this uh, astounding word that where two or three gather in your name that you would be here. And here you are. Lord, we can't see you, but our hearts know it's true. By your Holy Spirit, you are present among us, present to help us, present to uh, heal us, and to uh, help us understand these words of life. Lord, these words are so uh, strong and and harsh, Lord, that it's your word and it's just uh, the antiseptic that gets poured into the wound that stings that is uh, just so beneficial to us. So help us understand God and be made whole. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I was saying earlier, the holidays have come and gone, and it's time to go back to our regularly scheduled programming, if you're old enough to even understand or remember that phrase, uh, to our uh, verse-by-verse study here in the second letter. Of Peter, second chapter. We find ourselves smack dab in some fiery language, perhaps the strongest language in all of the Bible, and for good reason. Something sinister is going on there inside the churches, uh, and eternal destinies are on the line. So the Apostle Peter is writing, of course, uh, to warn the Christian community about dangerous false teachers who, quote, have secretly uh, slipped in among them with their, quote, destructive and damnable lies, uh, advocating lifestyles of of sexual immorality and uh, uh, destroying the faith of many. Uh, One writer said better to meet a she-bear robbed of her cubs than to get in the way... Get in between God and somebody he's trying to save. Uh, And that's exactly what they're doing. They know the truth. They know what Peter has preached and what Paul has written. And they oppose them. And they slipped inside of the church and tried to deceive people, Christians, calling themselves Christians. You know, it's one thing to be a con man. And even the world hates scammers. But to be a con man in the name of the Lord. And using and abusing and taking advantage of God's blood-bought children. Wow, that's taking <laughs> uh, foolishness to a whole nother level. And thus, keep that in mind as we're going through this uh, white coal Uh, hot kind of language that that's the father's heart to these men who have rejected his gracious invitation to be blessed and to know him and his love and they've turned their back. They prefer their sin. They value their sin more than they value their own souls. And so uh, that's the gist to keep in mind as we take a look once again at this uh, really Harshly worded uh, rebuke of false teachers exposing them, and uh, for for so that God's people can see it and go, Well, I got to avoid that at all costs. So, picking up when last we heard uh, before the holidays, uh, the thinking was here in the second chapter of uh, Second Peter. He's, he's just been saying, Hey, the good news is that even though The world is filled with dark deception and that falsehood and error and spiritual lies have crept into the church. God will surely rescue his people. His truth will prevail. And the last thought was this. Don't be alarmed If people are falling away by the droves, uh, the rise of false teachers is something that has to happen. It was prophesied. The Lord is on to them, and he has promised severe judgment is coming their way. Verse 10, especially true of those who follow the corrupt desire of the sinful nature, sometimes just called the flesh. Uh, meaning your base carnal desires, sinful nature, and those who despise authority. Bold and arrogant, these false teachers, they're not afraid to slander celestial beings. Speaking of the de- the demonic realm of things, we'll talk about that. Yet even God's angels, the holy angels, the good angels, although they're stronger and more powerful than the demons, the fallen angels, they don't bring slanderous accusations against them uh, in the presence of the Lord, no. But these foolish men, these false teachers, blaspheme in manners they don't understand Blaspheme is to insult the sacred. It's taking insult up a notch in its severity of uh, the consequences there. They are like brute beasts, creatures of instinct, born only to be caught and destroyed. And like beasts, they too will perish. They will be paid back with harm for the harm that they have done. Well... Now you know why we left off 2 Peter and went to uh, the Christmas time uh, text instead. Uh, but happy New Year! Uh, <coughs> this this is just one of three more paragraphs in the queue that, Lord willing, we're going to get through in uh, uh, one message today. And so, if you're taking notes, uh, first we take a look at. What these false teachers were saying, there's some of their, to quote the passage, their blasphemous uh, words and their haughty spirit. And so here we go. Verse 10, notice with me that first word that kind of struck me, especially. God's coming judgment is especially true for those who yield to their sinful desires and hate any form of authority, to paraphrase that. And so interesting to me that you know people like to say sin is sin you know uh that's not what the bible says yes of course sin is sin but there are some sins that are worse than others and these guys are winners in that they're doing some something that especially arouses the judgment of god it's like these guys are walking around with a target on their back inciting and provoking God in a special way to bring down chastisement upon their lives and so your text has two things two nasty things that they do uh, to provoke the Lord to that kind of judgment and there are two things that we at all costs need to avoid and so Yeah, so number one is they give themselves over to their sinful desires. They don't fight them. They don't resist them. They don't abstain. No, they embrace them. They run toward them. They don't flee from them, as we're told to do, to flee from youthful lusts or any kinds of covetous desires like that. And so since everyone in the room has a corrupt, sinful nature um, living inside of them, we're all ears because we have a sinful nature as you all know jeremiah 17 9 the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure who can really understand how bad it truly is john calvin i'm not a strong uh calvinist i'm sort of in the middle i do like john calvin he's a genius in many ways but uh yeah, uh, the human heart is a perpetual idol factory," he said, and uh, you know we we know we know we sing it in our songs. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. What kind of madness is that? It's a madness that we all uh, struggle with. So the good news is the sinful nature is beyond. Um, Even though it's beyond the cure of man, it's not beyond the cure of the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what conversion is about. Conversion means change. And so we open our hearts and something supernatural happens. The Holy Spirit comes in and and makes us new creations. He raises us to new life with uh, new appetites, new longings, new power that strives against the lower nature called the flesh sometimes, uh, the human body without the spirit, without conscience, without any concern for right and wrong, just instinct, uh, the flesh. And so uh oh you know once the Holy Spirit comes on board uh we're we're called to cooperate with him and he says if by the spirit Romans 8 and verse 13 one of my favorites if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live as compared to not living when you set your mind on the sinful nature because those who set their minds on the sinful nature, it's death. That's what the Bible says. And those who set their minds on the things of the spirit, it's life and peace. I've got that scripture for you, Romans chapter 8. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the sinful desires are all about. Uh, But those who live in accordance with the spirit, the things that God loves, they have their minds set on what the spirit desires and from the heart from the mind flows the life. And that's why the Proverbs say, above all else, guard your heart. Because it's the wellspring from which your entire life will flow. Out of the abundance of the heart, the lips speak, Jesus says. And so it goes on to say, the mind governed by the flesh is death in all its various terrible forms. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Now look at this. The mind governed by the flesh. When That's how you wake up. No prayer. No Bible. Just you're going to go for it. Because you're going to do what you feel like doing. That kind of mindset is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law nor can it, and that's why in the next verse there, or the next clause, I should say, it says that they despise authority, you see? Now, the word to despise authority uh, is, um, it means to uh, disdain, I have a quote here, superior condescending disdain for authority in whatever form it's found, starting with God starts with God. One of the reasons why they (laughs) erred and stayed and remain in their theological error uh, is because they're they think they know it all so they despise authority so they uh, they resist being corrected nobody tells them they they've they've got this they know everything they got it figured out they're smarter than the apostle paul and the apostle peter and uh, <clears throat> so they don't want to be corrected they despise <laughs> Uh, all, all forms of authority they're like the toddler who never grew up the toddler starts out saying you're not the boss of me well these guys just grew up and never changed and now they're men who say you're not the boss of me and they live that out so uh, very sad <laughs> no one tells them how to live or what to say Bold and arrogant are the words that come next. Bold meaning a reckless daring that defies God and man. They're willing to risk it all for their sin. They are so bold. Yeah, they have two DUIs, one more DUI, and they're going to prison for a long, long time, and they could kill somebody, but that doesn't matter. They're so bold. It's a reckless daring to get what they want their little temporary thrill. And the Bible says that because we're sick, it turns us on to do the wrong thing. We like it. There's some kind of thrill about it. And so these guys, bold, is just like it's worth whatever. Whatever the consequences, it's worth. I lose my family. I lose my kids. I lose my life. So... I died doing what I loved, sinning. Wow. Crazy stuff. And then they say, yeah, they're so bold and arrogant, assertive, cocky, overinflated view of self. And then this example. These men are not afraid to slander celestial beings. And so I already kind of hinted at what that was about. Let me show you the definition of celestial beings in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12 for our struggle not against flesh and blood, not humans and the human sphere, but against rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces of evil in celestial realms. So the beings that we're talking about, there are good and bad, the good angels that never, uh, never sinned against God, and the fallen angels who followed Lucifer, the head angel, who become now, we call them demons, but they are, these are the celestial beings that Peter has in mind. So how do you slander rulers, authorities, powers, and spiritual forces of demons? <clears throat> they have this cockiness. And it happens today with false teachers and by the way you're not going to find a false teacher today that is uh you know one size fits all or this guy you know in every way that he's they are being described instead every single way that they're being described is found here and there bits and pieces in all of false teaching that is here today. You'll find it all, including this. So slandering in a cocky, bold way is a guy on the platform who says, I know all about demons and the devil. And he strikes up a conversation slandering. Devil, you have no power here. And and this whole conversating and slandering means talking trash to the devil. Now, all you have to do is go on late night TV to the religious broadcasting uh, stations and you'll find them doing this very thing. And the, 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 the point Peter makes is not even the holy angels, the good ones, who are, quote, stronger than the demons, they don't dare to talk trash to them, In the presence of the Lord, and I think in the presence of the Lord is there because it's saying in the presence of the Lord, why would they even bother? The Lord is the focus. The Lord is the glorious thing, the plan of salvation, the nature of God. That's the focus of life and of ministry, and false teachers love to to get distracted and obsessed with areas that are not Biblical. What does the Bible have to say about us dealing with demons? Number one, Colossians chapter 2 and verse 15. Number one, the Lord's death and resurrection unplugged them. And when you're in Christ, they have no power over you. They don't have any power. Because look, having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Now, they reach. They still retain a charge back in the day. If you take those old school televisions, you could unplug them. But there was a real big warning on the back that said, even though you unplug this television, it retains a charge. Do not go poking around in there because you're going to get yourself a shock. So we all know. That though they're disarmed, they're not to be trifled with. Right? And so, how do we deal with it in a biblical way? (laughs) It's very simple. In the name of Jesus, go. Period. That's all we see in the book of, in the Gospels. And in the book of Acts, the Lord Jesus, there's no conversating. There's no frothing at the mouth. There's no work and pacing back and forth. There's none of this dramatic, look at me. Look what we're doing in this deliverance ministry. Uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> there's none of that in the Bible. I'm not judging anybody. I'm just saying if I look in the Bible, all I see is Paul saying, <clears throat> in the name of Jesus, Go period, and then they move forward with their lives, they're not obsessed because in the presence of the Lord it's Jesus, Paul goes to the Corinthians, you know what folks, i got to focus, it's Christ and him crucified, and I as your pastor would recommend the same kind of motto, obsess on Jesus, fix your gaze on Jesus, Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2, it means to lock on at the expense of all the other things you could be talking about all night long about stuff like this. Talking trash about all of that. No way. Not good. One writer said, Preoccupation with anything outside the Lord Jesus Christ and his glorious gospel truth is an unhealthy interest indeed. Now, if I stepped on any of your toes, there's an email address I want to give you. (laughs) Pastor Ben. (laughs) At Cc, the rock <laughs> I love you, Ben. So, yeah, I, I love the next line there. But these men blaspheme in matters they don't understand. Even though. They're clueless. They barely made it out of high school. Okay, suddenly they're theologians and they know everything. And and it doesn't stop them from uh, spewing forth all of their spiritual nonsense. So, you know, you could be a 22-year-old barista from a coffee shop. You stay, You get on break and you go and you stare into the phone and you're like, friends, okay, guys, listen, you know, and you, <laughs> and you start doing this thing and they rattle off some spiritual nonsense and, and then they upload it to TikTok and it gets 666,000 likes. That's just a random number I picked <laughs> off the <laughs> top of my head there. Oh, my goodness. Whew. All the time. Hey, listen, yeah, no, I'm not a believer to me. They'll say, no, I'm not a believer. Yes, so many contradictions in the Bible. I'm like, you know, I was a seminary professor. I'd love to hear one. Tell me about it. Just tell me one. Just give me one. <laughs> Crickets. <laughs> Why? Because it's just all a smokescreen. It's a red herring. It's like because you want your sin. And you know the gospel says he is Lord and you'd have to bow to him and repent of your darling uh, behaviors that you know he wouldn't tolerate. That's the bottom line. And so you come up with all of these TikTok selfie things and upload them and all of that. Don't start me. Too late. (laughs) (laughs) Fools. Proverbs 18.2, fools find no pleasure in understanding but delight in airing their own opinions. So it's time for a frontal assault. Now verse 12, they're like wild creatures that need to be put down. That's what he's saying. Now, yeah, because why? Well, look at it from God's point of view. Rabid, fooling at the mouth, filled with mangy, their feral dogs, pictured here, that come in, and they got into the church. And they're biting God's people and infecting them with the same disease. So that those who are bit start to at the mouth. So God says, you know, you've left me with no other choice than to hunt you down And then euthanize you to protect my people. Like brute beasts, they need to be caught and destroyed. Paid back with harm for the harm they've done. Look, my goodness. It used to be when someone who was associated with the faith and the gospel wanted to leave the gospel, they would kind of, in a shameful way, just disappear. But now. They are the heroes that go on to they make a TED talk and to, they're the crusaders. These are the guys. They're the crusaders. They're not just uh, happy enough to walk away and forfeit eternal life on their own. Oh, no, no, no. They want to help liberate you uh, from your archaic, restrictive forms of following guys like the apostle Peter who's always telling you to put your your sinful pleasures to death. And why would you have to do that if you're saved by grace and God loves you the way you are? And that's what they were doing there. So now you see. uh, Their idea of pleasure, moving on, next paragraph. These guys' idea of having a good time is to carouse in broad daylight, which even in the Roman world, (laughs) depraved as it was, was... Something uh, uh, people would frown upon they carouse because it's okay, they were into hedonism which means the pursuit of pleasures uh, their blots and blemishes just a stain on this beautiful picture revel- reveling in their pleasures while they feast with you I'm going to talk about that, they're in the church And they're reveling around. The feasting with you is the the communion meal called the agape feast, the love feast. That was what they called it. And they got in there with the wine and using the wine and then seducing ladies. Oh, my God's not going to put up with that. With eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable. They're experts in greed <laughs> a, and a cursed brood. They have left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, a poor dad there's called out Baor, who loved the wages, this Balaam prophet for hire, he loved the wages of wickedness, but he was rebuked for his wrongdoing by a donkey, a beast without speech who spoke into his life more wisdom uh, with a man's voice by the Holy Spirit and restrained the prophet's madness at least temporarily because he goes on to commit the very deed that he was trying to be stopped from doing so let's talk about this and so And as I've said, what makes this all so reprehensible, deserving of condemnation, is that they were (laughs) leading people astray in the name of the Lord. Uh, In Jude verse 4 of the one chapter epistle, it says, Some ungodly people have, quote, wormed their way into your churches and perverted God's grace into a license for immorality. So they had a way of thinking, and Paul called them out too. What shall we say then, since we're saved by grace, should we keep on sinning? And that's exactly what they were saying. And Paul says that's exactly what they were teaching. And so, yeah, so uh, not only were they being sexually immoral, and immoral in many ways, uh, they would justify it with the Bible. And celebrate it, and lead others to to do the same. So they're parting in broad daylight, meaning they're trying to promote this Christian liberty, and that's what they were called. There's a word for liberty associated for them. So they're the trailblazers. So they're not ashamed of it. So they're 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 in public spaces like. Uh, the downtown square, the parks, and places like that, uh, they would be partying, is carousing, partying, and and not ashamed of it and saying, uh, look, we're not hiding it. It's something, it's a gift to enjoy how God made us to be. And why are you guys always so repressive and and always... uh, You know, always so judgmental and such harsh boundaries and such harsh discipline. Uh, You don't need to be like that. In the name of the Lord, you should be free. You know, and so not only did they do that in public, but then in the next verse at the love feast, which now they're in the home, they're in your home. And only they used real wine, not grape juice. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, talking about these same guys at the same home fellowship groups who were getting drunk and uh, flirting and worse with the women in the church. So Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11 have you guys noticed something you guys who are doing that, that that some of you are getting sick and dying. He says that's because you're doing that. That God is coming after you, catching you and putting you down so that you will not do that in the presence of God's people and his Holy Spirit at the communion table. Uh, Daring, bold, remember? There it is. Eyes full of adultery. The word there is actually adulterous. So in other words, they see every girl as a a willing adulteress with them. You see. uh, Never stop sinning. Look, we all continue to have a problem with sin. But we have, the bent of our lives is obedience. So when we do sin, we repent. And our attitude toward our sin is we hate it. We strive against it. We denounce it with the Bible. And after we sin, we stand with God against ourselves. That's very different than them continuing in a lifestyle of sin which 1 John chapter 3 says look, if you continue in an unbroken unbroken unbelief and a continual giving yourself over to your sinful lifestyle you're not going to heaven. That's what it says there. That's not the bent of our lives. So they never stop sinning. And now a word about their victims. They seduce the unstable. Well, of course, they have a sixth sense uh, for the weak, the gullible, the vulnerable, the immature, uh, those who are hurting, the elderly, which they expertly exploit for their advantage. The word seduces to lure, to bait, to entice, but with expert skill. The word for expert there is gymnazo, where we get the word gymnasium. The idea is that they, through their life, they train through the the experience of dealing with people how to exploit and manipulate every opportunity to get what they're after, which depends on their appetite at the time. Because look, they're experts in greed. So it's not just, sorry, a sexual pleasure that they're after. They are also after just any personal gain of any kind. Money, houses, power, cars, influence, material possessions, or personal praise. That's what they're after. Paul described men who are experts in greed, who are always talking about money in every single sermon. Every time they open their mouth, money, 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 money. Because they want it. And they're exploiting people. Paul says this they are men of, cr- quoting Paul, 1 Timothy chapter 6, people of corrupt minds who have been robbed of the truth, who think that godliness is a way to get rich. Oh my goodness. We have a dear friend. She lives in Sacramento. She was going to Capitol Christian Center. You can see it from the freeway, a big, big church in Sacramento. And that church was a place where a a young man, who sadly I went to Bible college with, um, who is now investing people's monies and their life savings uh, in his Ponzi scheme. He's now in prison. But he was an evangelist, smooth-talking, really nice guy. And our dear friend, a widow, Her daughter was in our wedding. She lost her home and every penny of her life savings because of the smooth-talking man. Yeah, that's the kind of damage they do. And he did it in the name of the Lord and praying with her. That's what they do. And that's why the language is so harsh they've taken a left turn or an exit here verse 15 uh, they've exited in the dark following the taillights of somebody called Balaam and so Balaam, as we talked before, because Balaam's name has come up, so we had to talk about him. Uh, but it, it's, it's an entertaining story, so let's go for it again. Balaam's the Old Testament prototype. He's the poster child of every warped TV evangelist you've ever heard looking for money. Uh, they have a spiritual father, and his name is Balaam. He was the prophet who sold his soul for a bunch of cash. And uh, he is famous there in Numbers chapter 22 through 24. Uh, long story short, these guys follow in his footsteps. Uh, and here's the story. A pagan king, Balak, uh, was fearing the advancement of Israel. The children of Israel are, are on their way to the promised land. So he just thinks, i got to stop these guys. So he hires Balaam uh, to put a curse on the people, to slow them down or stop them. Well, so, uh, uh, you know, long story short, a lot goes on in there. Uh, but uh, he agrees when he raises the price up and, and and then God sends, he's on his way to do the deed, to, to get the money, uh, and God sends an angel with a sword to stand in his way and block him from this misstep of his. Now, What's interesting, of course, into getting to the rebuke that the donkey gives this crazy money-hungry uh, prophet, is is that the donkey sees the angel, but the true donkey in the story does not, and that's Balaam. And so, ba- the the donkey stops, and the and Balaam is like, "Let's go." And the donkey's not going anywhere because her mama didn't raise no fool because she she goes, why would you tell me to go forward when the guy's got a sword, bro? You know, and and that's kind of what's going on here that the donkey could figure it out, but the man couldn't because you know what he could see? Oh, he could see with dollar signs in his eyes that the donkey sees the danger and stops. And so they have a little conversation. uh, And the donkey says, What have I done to deserve this beating? And then, you know, the story. He's crazy. He doesn't say, What? Are you talking? You know, no, he answers the donkey. He just says... How dare you make a fool, uh, 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 fool of me like this and not follow my commands? If I had a sword in my hand, I'd kill you right now. And then the donkey says back, hey, listen, aren't I your trusted donkey? Haven't you been riding me for years? Have I ever, ever, ever done anything like this before? Meaning, implying the Holy Spirit speaking through the donkey, implying, dude, Can't you figure out like something weird is going on here? Like, whoa, this is strange. And then the Holy Spirit would tell you, you know, maybe God's trying to stop you from your madness. But he has to use a donkey to talk to the true donkey in the story. And so why is he the true donkey? Because after seeing an angel and talking to an angel and saying to the angel, I have sinned, He goes on to do it anyway. This is what the Bible says about that. Proverbs 22 and verse 3. The wise person senses danger and takes refuge, but the fool keeps going and pays the penalty. Proverbs 22 and verse 3. I I sometimes wonder about people in this regard. One morning, I'm at the kitchen sink, and I see this little house spider, tiny little thing. And I know my wife hates spiders of any kind. That's her one flaw. (laughs) She's not afraid of anything. She can do anything, but she doesn't do insects like that. So I take my index finger. And I say to the spider out loud, "I hope you've made peace with God." <laughs> I do stuff like this. I and I say, "Cause you're about to die." And I take my instrument of death and I and I bring it down right when I get this right. The, the spider's this big. The spider goes, and I hit this. I hit the ceramic, and I'm like, "Whoa!" Are you kidding me? And I pick it up halfway. I'm not giving him any warning this time. And I'm going to come out from the, his blind side. you know. So I come after him again. And he goes. And I'm like. Oh my goodness. You are smarter than some of the people I know. <laughs> if he's this size. How big is his brain? His brain. Is much smaller than his overall <laughs> circumference. I just can't. I mean, I think that's the idea here is that people, oh my goodness, once they taste sin. Like Jesus said, what is it worth it, Balaam, if you get 10 sacks of gold, but you lose your own soul? And now you've been in a place called Hades for 3,400 years of torment, thus far and counting and counting. Was it worth the ten bags of gold? That's what Jesus wants to know. And what would you give up to get out of that place? Jesus tagged on that question. What wouldn't you stop doing? If you perished, God forbid, and God said, okay, you can, you can escape perishing forever, but you have to give up You'd go name it. <laughs> Just say it. You'd have to give up feeling really good when you drink. <laughs> Done. Or you'd have to give up the ladies. Done. I hate ladies. <laughs> you know, that's what that's what they would say. It's like the thing I used to love would become associated with hell and I would avoid it. I would avoid it if I were in my right mind. But they're not. So yeah let's finish up verses 20 to 22 if they've escaped these false teachers the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ which the inference here is they had a time that appeared to be walking with the Lord and entangled in their sin And overcome by their sin, they're way worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it. And then to turn their backs on the secret command that was passed on to them of them. The proverbs are true. This is a biblical proverb here. A dog returns to its vomit and now a general proverb that's not in the bible a sow that is washed goes back to her wallowing in the mud so once again happy new year (laughs) gotta get that out of the way a sobering warning note takers and two very graphic proverbs the sobering warning is this Uh, the general idea is the greater your knowledge of the truth and of the gospel, the greater your accountability. And uh, for example, the new employee that breaks policy, um, they didn't know about it, is less guilty than when the guy who wrote the policy breaks it. Now here's what Jesus said in Luke 12. A servant who knows what the master wants but doesn't do it will be severely punished. But the one who doesn't know and does something wrong will be punished only lightly. That's Luke chapter 12. I told this to an English class when I was teaching at a college in the East Bay alongside of pastoring this church. Um, I was given such grace to be able to teach them what they needed to know and then bring the gospel and and. Uh, I had such favor there. And so this one class was getting like Bible studies, you know, and I said to them, you know what, you guys? The Bible says that as you're understanding the gospel, God requires a greater accountability of you. And their response, if it, it was a little sad but a little funny too, practically half the class started doing this. Uh-huh. <laughs> Why? because they know it's true and they don't want to be more accountable. And so that's just uh, what was going on here is that these guys for some season in their past uh, appeared to be walking with the Lord. And why do I say appeared? Because the the truth of the matter is that the, the scripture can mean coming to know the Lord or... Coming to know about the Lord, and it's knowing about the Lord, but not being born again. So, for example, a person comes into church, they hear the gospel, they cry a little bit, uh, they clean up their language, uh, they get a bumper sticker for their car in the uh, in the shape of a fish. You know, they start using Christian words. And, uh, but nothing in their heart. They've had no change of nature. They've had no, and how do we know this? Because they end up going back into the world. And so the Bible says in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4 whoever is born of God is never overcome by their sins, but overcomes not only their sins, but overcomes the world. So there's no way that these false teachers were ever born again. They cleaned up their act. They looked like Christians. They sounded like Christians. But in the end, they knew the way of righteousness and they knew the Lord in the same way that Judas did. Judas knew the Lord. Judas knew the way of righteousness. Yeah? And, And nobody knew. Nobody knew. How did nobody know? Well, how do I know nobody knew? Because when Jesus said, truly, I say to you, one of you at this table is going to betray me. I picture all the heads going, Judas, how could you? You know, nope. They were all blindsided. Peter says to John, who's sitting closest to Jesus, ask him, ask him who it is. Peter, the lead guy, he had some discernment. He didn't know. Nobody knows what's in the heart of somebody except God and our wives. <laughs> There's one of the wives are back there. <clears throat> yeah, and here's what John says. <clears throat> Just, just don't. If you've been born again, you're gonna overcome the world. You can backslide if you want to destroy things. You know, if you want to give yourself needless a woe. You know, but Christians do slip up and fall, but they're never overcome. Like these dudes and become enemies of the cross. Oh my goodness, no, no, no. <clears throat> it would be good for them. Had they never known, what did Jesus say about Judas? It would have been better for him never to have been born. It's the same idea that people who held the Bible, knew the Bible, quoted the Bible, will say on that, on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't I teach this? And didn't I go there? And didn't I serve this? And he says, depart from me, you evil person. We never met. I don't know you. Who are you? And when the Son of God doesn't know you, that's saying a lot. <clears throat> what did Jesus say? Listen, by their fruit you will know them. And here's their fruit: they go sniffing around the old stomping grounds, and 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 what the dog discharged because it was poisoning him to put it nicer. Uh, they find attractive. They want to be re-poisoned with it. Something about those good old days. Oh yeah, just what a you know ingest that slop again. And like the sow, they're just animals. We were just flipping through the stations last night, and by coincidence, I had this passage on my mind, obviously, and we, they were just pushing the camera right in front of the faces of the hogs, and they were eating their slop, and the, just the things are dripping off of them, and the mud, and you could almost smell it, you know, in the room, and, uh, you know, well, if you had not smell a vision that would be bad. <laughs> oh, man, but... You bring the pig to Napa, and you treat that pig to a head-to-toe spa treatment. <laughs> you do the pig's nails. You know. And your brain is little, do they have? They braid the tail. Braid the tail. And after you spend a1,000 dollars in Napa on this pig. The pig is just starts come back feeling good, looking good, and can't wait to get back into the mud. That's no Christian. That is no Christian because we had a nature that got changed, didn't we? It's not perfect yet. It's perfect in the eyes of the Lord, and it will be perfect on the day that we see him. But this is talking about people who have rejected God's love, rejected and spurned his gracious invitation to be made right with them. So our sympathy guards are torn up for them as we ourselves give ourselves over to the will and the obedience of God's word. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for helping us understand your fury against conmen who uh, hurt people in the name of the Lord. How awful that is, Lord. We look to you now as we uh, start to contemplate communion, Lord, and we're glad for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to The Rocks Podcast. Our regular services are held on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you'd like to learn more, please visit our website at cctherock.org.